Hello and welcome to Mark My Words here on the Life Coach Radio Network today, December 1st, 2013. I'm Mark Shaw coming to you live from New York City, just steps away from the world famous stages of Lincoln Center. I'm a certified life coach and business coach and twice per month I host Mark My Words, which is a life coaching oriented show where I interview various people with inspiring life stories of overcoming adversity authors of great coaching-related books and programs, as well as many others who have great things to say. So, tune in with me the first and third Sunday of every month. One of the things that my clients are often challenged by uh, is achieving a sense of momentum once they get started on a goal or a task, and, and also once that momentum is achieved, maintaining it, especially when they face setbacks. For example, receiving a series of rejections from job interviews or auditions, uh, or they start communicating differently in a difficult relationship and then they're getting some results, and then they have a big argument or some sort of other breakdown with the person. So typically as a coach, I acknowledge and validate their experience, we examine the strategy and the results, we find what's not working, we uncover the client's limiting beliefs and assumptions and interpretations and gremlins that may be getting in the way. And ultimately we re-strategize and we begin again with new actions. It's natural for a process like this to sometimes be frustrating and, and uh, for folks to experience low energy during such times. Ultimately, when the individual gets to the other side of the stumbling block or the breakdown, there is tremendous joy and satisfaction to be had. So tonight, we're going to discuss the notion of achieving and maintaining momentum. With us is Luke Iorio. Luke is the CEO and President of IPEC Coaching, which is one of the premier coaching institutes in the country, and is where I studied and received my coach certification, and where I have the privilege of being an instructor for the last eight years. Uh, Luke is an expert in core energy dynamics, and core energy coaching is a process created by Bruce D. Schneider, the founder of IPEC Coaching. Uh, Luke is a colleague of mine who is a master at getting people unstuck and moving forward. And today he's going to talk with us about momentum, achieving it, sustaining it, and all kinds of other good stuff. So Luke, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. I've been looking forward to this. Certainly, certainly. Me too. It's great to, uh, it's great to have you on the show. We work together in so many different capacities, and, uh, mm -hmm. and now we get to do this together, which is really great. We're going to have some so. fun. Cool, cool. So the first thing um, I feel like a lot of my listeners uh, want to know is um, a little bit about who you are. Um, many of them have graduated from IPEC, so they know you. Uh, but how about giving them a shout-out and then telling everyone else a little bit about uh, how you got into coaching and ultimately how you became a CEO at such the ripe young age of 32. <laughs> so it's, it's always good to know that, uh, that some of the, the IPEC tribe, I guess you could say, is on the line. Uh, you know, I was, interestingly enough, I was out just speaking at an event in San Diego, and a couple of our, uh, quite a few of our coaches were actually at the event, and the organizers that were there who kept running, running across the IPEC coaches just kept coming up to me saying, my God, these are just some of the most fantastic people that I have met in, in this industry. Because uh, there's something about an IPEC coach that exudes a certain amount of energy and, I guess, momentum, as it were, uh, in the way that they come across. And so, um, so I'm glad to, glad to have uh, everybody there. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting journey. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people have been introduced to coaching completely by accident. Uh, that's exactly how I was introduced to coaching. I was a uh, marketing and management consultant for small businesses under about 30, 35 million or so in revenues. And it was just by chance that one of uh, my, my the founder at IPEC and his former business partner um, had reached out to me. And they were looking to grow the, you know, grow the firm and, and do some different things and kind of take IPEC to a different level. 
And when the email came out to me, I could tell it was just a laundry list of questions. It went out to dozens of other consultants, and it's the type of, of kind of request for information email that normally I would have deleted. I grew up as an athlete. I was playing baseball, and I, I played rugby in college. I saw coaching at the end of the URL and thought that it had to do with sports and athletics and, and all sorts of things <laughs> like that. Uh, I was confused nonetheless to see the website. Um, but as soon as I read it, it just completely resonated with, with me and the journey that I had been on. And I think that's really what is probably the very interesting piece, I guess, of, of my own story and how it got redirected to, to the point where I did become the CEO at such a young age. The very interesting you know, part of my story is that growing up, uh, I was a wallflower. I was as shy as could be. Um, I did not have, yeah, I, I did not have confidence in myself. Um, I, it, I had tremendous amount of self-doubt. I was the last person in the room to speak up, and I really was just kind of in it to follow the flow of, of others. And as I kind of went through life, and I, I know where some of that came from, and we can, we can share some of that later, but as I, I grew into my, you know, even more awkward adolescent years and everything else, I was just very fortunate that as I, as I got out of, out of high school and went to college that my father had spent 30-plus years in personal development. And so I started at 19 years of age reading books from Napoleon Hill and Dale Carnegie and Ogmandino and all sorts of things that began to open up my eyes to the fact that it was okay to be an individual. It was okay to be unique and, and, and that everybody had a unique voice to share. And so I started trying things out and testing myself and putting myself out there a little bit more. And it was a many, many-year journey um, through college, after college, uh, going into some of the consulting work where I was, I was 23, 24 years old consulting for business owners that were often twice my age, three decades older than I was at times. They had businesses older than I was. And I was consulting for them. And so it was kind of a crash course in confidence building because I either I, – I had to show up. I had to be able to – to talk directly with them and communicate clearly with them and, and show them that I knew my stuff. And it put me out there in a very, very different way. And my own, my own personal development journey really kind of kicked off even into a new gear at that point, looking into all sorts of different seminars, reading all sorts of different books, going out for all sorts of different experiences, when lo and behold, I get this email one day from Bruce Schneider and his partner looking to you know, build their business around this thing called coaching that I had no clue what it was. And it was as if everything you know, in my life had led me to that moment to get that email. And so within about a, a couple of months, I had read one of the very early manuscripts of Energy Leadership. Um, I joke with Bruce to this day. It was a had me at hello type of moment um, because I read that manuscript and I said, this is, I see my clients this way. I see myself this way. I know this dialogue. This is exactly the types of things that, that I run into all the time personally and professionally. And I want to know how to coach people through this to create that level of energy and put that into action in their lives. And so I enrolled in the program. He hired me as a consultant, and that was almost 10 years ago. And, wow. uh, yeah, it's been, it's been incredible. I mean, when, we, when I joined IPAC, we were just opening up our fifth location. Uh, we just opened up our 16th now in London. Um, we, we had... I'm not even sure if we had maybe just over 1,000 graduates, 1,200, 1,300 graduates at that point. We now are nearing 7,000 graduates with almost 10, 11,000 people going through other respective programs with us uh, as well in a, in a combined fashion. Uh, it's just been this incredible ride. 
And so I've been fortunate to to continue the path being, you know, mentored and and friends and and colleagues with Bruce uh, for these past 10 years. And it was four years ago that based on a lot of things that I had been through and the firm had been through and everything else, Bruce and, and the board finally turned to me and said, you know what, it's time. And so I took over as, as CEO of IPEC at 32 years of age. And uh, wow. I feel like I had a, this incredible concentrated life journey uh, over about a 15, 18-year uh, period that really just lined up. And I followed a lot of those synchronicities, and I had to learn how to trust my own instincts and my gut to follow those synchronicities. And that was not something I would have done had I not been introduced to personal development and, and Napoleon Hill and had the good fortune that I had to have the parents that I've got and the father that I have because yeah. I never would have been prepared for it otherwise. Never would have even wow. seen it. They must be really proud of you. Well, I know that they're really proud of you because I, I, I know your parents. I, met them and, uh, <laughs> I know they're enormously proud of you. And, uh, wow, that's really great. And then to also be able to, to work with your dad professionally. Yeah, um, you know, yeah it's been fun because I, I worked, even as a consultant, I, I got into the consulting game uh, originally working for him in uh, a mergers and acquisitions business he had for years. And it was from some of that work that gave me the idea to start the consultancy. So not only does he work with, with me now at IPEC, I used to work for him, he now works for me. Uh, so we've <laughs> actually been, my father and I have been working together for almost 15 years. Wow, so you're your dad's boss, huh? <laughs> I am, I am. I, I, of course, then again, he'd probably tell you that, that was, that's been the case since I was a little kid. But, uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> that's great. You get to be your dad's boss, and you get to be Bruce's boss, too. That's, that's pretty wild. <laughs> and honestly, that's the one that I have the most fun with. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And I won't ask you to reveal how old you are now. <laughs> well, actually, we can figure it out since uh, you said it's... I think you can figure it out. I think it, any, any, any of the math majors on the phone can put that one together. <laughs> that's right. Especially the left brain ones, right? So, exactly. Uh, very cool, very cool. So tell us a little bit about, um, as we talk about momentum, uh, what it actually is and why it's so important. Because I know in the uh, core yeah. energy coaching model, one of the things that we stress is about getting people into action. You know, we talk about increasing yes. energy uh, and getting buy-in um, and you know, creating a willingness, turning have-tos into want-tos. Um, and that gets people started. And then an, an additional piece of the picture is what sustains that? So, uh, and that, of course, would be momentum. So talk a little bit about that. Sure. You know, it's, it's interesting because in, in coaching, and I see this so many times with, with the, the clients that I work with, some of the, the coaches that I've, I've supported along the way, uh, some of the leaders that we work with in corporations. There's two different sides of coaching, and there's times that momentum is really kind of where they meet. The first side is around this energy piece, that consciousness, that self-awareness piece that we talk about. And the one challenge I see at times is that people really begin to dive into this consciousness, to understand what has them thinking the way they think, feeling the way that they feel, perceiving the way that they perceive the world, and they really start to, to open up in that regard, which is great, but they don't necessarily then translate that into action, meaning they get caught up talking and talking and talking and feeling like there's always something else to figure out before they get into motion. And then the alternative side, which is a more traditional form of coaching, which is part of obviously what we do at IPEC, but I find that with the energy piece missing from so many other traditional models in the marketplace, too often people just jump in action. And when they jump in action, they don't really understand the energy that's behind that action. They don't understand the, the true motivations and what's really behind the actions that are meant to take them to a goal, which they may not even want. They jump in and they're, they're kind of spinning their wheels. And so they might create some activity, they may create some motion, 
But I wouldn't describe that motion as momentum because it's very effortful and it's not necessarily taking them in the direction that they want to go. And so to me, what momentum represents is it's when that, that energy and action meet together. And so it's the combination of helping somebody to increase that level of understanding they have of themselves, of their own patterns, of their own thoughts, of their own perceptions, of what they really want in their motivations, and then being able to marry that through a progressive set of, of actions. And that's really what, you know, with, with a lot of the coaching processes that we teach, it really is about helping people harness that energy and putting it into the first steps because those are always the toughest. It's always just those first couple of steps for somebody to take because now all of a sudden you're asking them to step into a new reality. You're asking them to, for many people, especially as they go through the self-discovery process, you're almost asking them to step into a new identity. And so those first steps can be terrifying. And what's amazing is they, they realize they take those steps and their feet are still underneath them. They're still breathing. They have not died of, of humiliation uh, or whatever it is that they're confronting. And they realize they're okay. They're going to be all right. And then it's, it's how do you then work with them to increase the size of those steps, turning the crawl into a walk, into a run. And, you know, I guess the way to, to even synopsize it, because people sometimes, they logically get the idea of, of small steps but nonetheless, it's not something that they totally anchor to because they're always in such a rush to get to this big vision, this big ideal that they may have for themselves. And the one thing that I always point out, and I, I'd heard this long ago, and I actually think I heard it from a financial advisor um, and, and started applying it to, to the ideas around, uh, around coaching and, and building momentum, is the rule of 1%. And if somebody were to make a 1% improvement, and he talked to me about this in terms of an investment, if you made a 1% return, Every single day, it doesn't take you 100 days to double your return, to double your money. It takes 70 days because of the compound interest that goes on. Well, if you think about that in terms of progress, if you look to make a 1% improvement every single day in whatever area you want to focus on, think about how little 1% is, how little that first step might look like. But you make that 1%, that 1%, day after day after day, you will double your progress within that area every 70 days meaning 500% progress in a single calendar year. Most people, when they all of a sudden realize that little 1% can have that much of a compound, a compound impact and influence on their lives, now all of a sudden they go, okay, let's figure out the beginning point and how can I begin to take these steps each day. Great. Great. So, you know, you said something interesting that I think might be uh, interesting for our callers, for our uh, listeners to, uh, to hear about, and that is you said sometimes it's asking people, it's expecting people to step into a new identity when it comes time to take those baby yeah. steps. Can you comment briefly on that? Absolutely. Um, and I'm glad, you, I'm glad you picked that one out. Um, people, when they start to discover themselves, discover kind of what, what makes them tick, what, what, as I said, what makes them think the way they think and perceive the way they perceive is they start to truly rediscover who they are and they realize that where they are today and the way that they show up in their lives, the way that they talk to themselves, interact with others, show up at work, show up in relationships, they begin to realize that there's almost a certain layer, a facade, a, a set of masks that they've developed. And not intentionally, and it's not out of manipulation or anything like that. It's just that they've got their baggage. They've got their experiences. They've got the things that have hurt them through the years even. And so they've got some of that stuff as it shows up. And then as they begin to 
to realize that, hey, wait a minute, there's this greater part of me that wants to get back out again and to have more fun and to show up in these different ways, what it means is that they have to say goodbye to their story. And so people get so attached to the story of who they are and, and the story of, of the things that have befallen them throughout the course of their life. And that's how they identify themselves. And they very much attach to, well, I'm the person that has, you know, that, is, that has had this happen and this has happened to my family and this is what's happened to my relationships and this is what's happened at work. And that's part of how we do get attention. And, you know, it's, it's, it's even more than just the misery loves company. It's not just simply as that. It's that people commiserate and talk and connect over stories. And so if the way that you connect to others is through this story is some of the things that have pained you, and you've not got to say goodbye to it. You're not only saying goodbye to the story that you know. You may feel like you can't connect with others or relate to others in the same way. You don't even know how to present yourself anymore. And so helping people really truly begin to understand who they are and the part of themselves that it wants to get out and helping them remember how many times in their life they actually have already done this. It's just not the part of the story they've been telling. And so helping them to find that and helping them to find strength in that and then helping them intentionally identify moments in their life right now that if they were to show up in those moments a little bit differently, more of who they want to be and how they want to show up with this other side of themselves that is so much stronger and more powerful than the way that they've been showing up before and that they can plan for and go into those moments consciously, they can truly recreate the story as they go. They can cross the line, as I, I like to talk about. They can go into those moments and really create them and now anchor new experiences that become part of the new story that is actually really the true story that's always been trying to get out. Great. So, so let me ask you this then. If, um, if we go back to your, your story about how you used to be a wallflower, right? And now, my God, anybody who knows you, <laughs> it's like that can't possibly be the case. It's hard to yeah. It, it really is. So for listeners out there who don't know Luke, you should just see Luke walks in front of the room and he just commands the front of the room before saying anything. Um, and then you could, you know, you could just tell by hearing his speaking voice now. He's just confident and very sure of himself and bold and big. Um, and it's just, it's really amazing. So what was the part of your story, the part of your who, uh, that you had to let go of and re-identify uh, in order to be who you are now? You are, you are a gifted interviewer and very intuitive, Mark. Um, this is part of the story that I didn't share before. Where it came from me, and it was actually not a part of the story that I used to share, but it is very much part of the story that was, was me and, and who I was. Um, I was, growing up, as a very little kid, three, four, five years old, I was incredibly creative, and I was kind of out there. I was, the, I was the creative, little bit outgoing, almost weird little kid. Right, that was kind of doing all these different things. My, you know, I'm a, you, you know my father, and he's he's this business guy and does all these incredible things strategically and everything else. My mom's an artist, and so I got this creative influence that that I also have in my life and is part of who I am. And that kind of came out. That was the playfulness that I had as a kid. And when I was five and a half years old, my childhood home burnt to the ground, and I lost everything. And inside of even my mom will say to this day, inside of about 48 hours, my entire personality changed. And it now became about protection. It became about making sure I was safe. It became about making sure that I was the, the person that I relied on because you couldn't count on your surroundings. You didn't know what was going to happen anymore. And so I started to become uh, very much an individual that was isolated in that regard, and I isolated myself. 
And I held on to that for a very long time trying to be secure. And what I realized was in, in creating that security for myself, only relying on myself, what I was really saying is that I felt like I didn't belong. And when you think about it, it's because I felt like I didn't have a home. And so that's part of the story that I needed to recognize. It was showing up, and I had no idea it was showing up. I didn't know that that was there. I didn't realize that I had shut off a part of my creativity and my emotions and, and all sorts of different aspects of myself. I really needed to kind of take a look at that. And this isn't, a, this isn't even in the situation of, um, of, of even a, a healing type of a situation, although I'm sure there's some of that there. This was just a recognition of, wow, I didn't realize the chain of events that were kicked off by this one moment. And for me, it, it really actually came to a head. Um, and I, oh, this is strange. I actually uh, I haven't shared this before. Um, I haven't shared this in front of any audience before. Um, well, I'm it all came that, to uh, we get to be the first audience that you share it with. Thank you. Um, it all came to a head for me, and I got reintroduced and reintegrated to the emotional side of me that I had, come, which is where my creativity and all sorts of other things kind of flow from. Um, I know where I was standing uh, and when it ca came together because I was the last train that was cut off uh, from Hoboken Terminal from going into New York on September 11th. And had I arrived even just a few minutes earlier, I would have been in the city. Uh, it was a day, actually, I was not going to the Trade Center, although uh, my family did not know that because I used to hold events at Windows of the World um, on the, the 110th floor. Um, and uh, I was standing then on the Great Lawn next to Hoboken Terminal when the first tower fell, and I was standing there with probably 10,000 some odd other people, and the overwhelming energy and emotion that went through that, that, that group of, of individuals watching the first tower go down was one of the most intense experiences that, that I've ever experienced, as I'm, I'm sure you all can imagine. And I got reintroduced to a flood of emotions that, that I had not experienced really since I was five and a half years old and lost my house. And wow. All of a sudden, it, it came back, and it took it took me several years to really kind of figure out what had opened up because I really didn't under obviously I didn't understand it. It was brand new to me again, um, and so I really needed to put some of those pieces back together and figure out okay, you know, where do I stand? Who am I? How do I want to show up? And it was interestingly enough, it was it was through that journey, and, and it was it was kind of that moment where uh, it was about six months later that I left a uh, a very nice corporate job that I was working for. And I decided that I did not want to be in corporate America in the traditional sense. And that was actually the moment where I jumped to start working with my father and go into small business, which led me to consulting, which led me to coaching, and really was kind of a major turning point as well in my life. But it was part of the story of me and what I used to hold on to. I had to face that part of my story. I had to recognize kind of the pattern that it had created for me. And even though I was doing things and I was, I was okay and – uh, I was succeeding in some areas and just struggling in others like any anybody would do, anybody goes through. I needed to recognize that because once I could own that and say, wait a minute, there's a part of me that wants connection to other people. There's a part of me that realizes showing emotion and putting emotion out there, that's not being vulnerable in the sense that it's weak. It's being vulnerable in one of the most powerful manners possible. And I wanted that part of myself back. And I needed to recognize the different parts of the story that even though I had not shared some of those parts of the story, I had recognized that those were elements that I wanted to put back out into the world. That was part of the story that I wanted to empower me, not to hold me back. And as soon as I recognized all of those things, 
some of the most amazing synchronicities in my life have, have, have occurred. Uh, everything from, from meeting now my wife and, uh, and my connection to IPEC and coaching and really it's, it's kind of fueling me to, to do what I do not only with IPEC but even the next journey of, of where I'm headed as a speaker and doing some writing work and uh, actually you know, something we, we'll chat about at the end of the call, starting my own radio show um, mm-hmm. because there's a greater message that I want to get out. Yeah, absolutely. So you really had to let go of the part of your who that was about protecting yourself and keeping yourself small and safe. Exactly. And, and really open up, become vulnerable. Um, and I, yeah. I, I loved what you said about um, uh, vulnerable being powerful, not being weak. Mm-hmm. I once heard the quote, the ultimate invulnerability is vulnerability. Absolutely. And uh, so I, I'm just reminded I, of that as you speak. When, when people, and, I, and actually I've, I've even delivered talks on that before. Um, because to me, we hold on to these things because we're afraid they're either going to make us look weak or somebody's going to take advantage of it. And yet, when we put them out there ourselves, the, 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 the anxiousness, the, the feeling like it's trouble is because we're holding it in, saying, please don't find out, please don't find out. That's really what we're saying. If we're the ones who put it out there and say, no, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm going through. Yeah, I'm the CEO of a company, and I do have these doubts. Yeah, I'm the leader of this division, and occasionally these things pop into my head. Hey, I'm the principal of a school, and these are some of the things I struggle with. Team, how is it that you can help me with this? That's mm-hmm. a powerful leader, and that's the level of transparency and authenticity that right now our society, our corporations, and certainly our politicians down in, in Washington need a greater sense of. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, wow. So talk about, you know, creating momentum. You certainly created quite a bit of momentum after that shift that now carries you through <laughs> today. Um, and because you're, you know, also enormously successful and you just keep creating and growing and the way you've grown IPEC has been incredible and how IPEC is still growing. Um, so what are, what are some of the common things, the, the issues, the blocks, as we talked about them at IPEC, that prevent us from creating that kind of momentum? Mm-hmm. The, it's, it's kind of twofold. I'll start with a, a step before the blocks, and because that, that kind of accentuates where these blocks come from, is to create a big, clear, unified, aligned vision. And so one of the things that, that, that holds people back and why I go to unified and aligned vision and a clear vision in that is that usually to pull ourselves forward, we have these huge audacious goals. And I'll use the example of a, of a coach that comes out of our program because I love this. I, I just love the drive that they have and the motivation, but at the same time you'll see where this goes, is that they come out of our program and they say, I want to you know, coach these clients. I want to have group coaching over here. I want to do some writing. I want to have a book. I want to do some speaking. I want to do seminars with 500, 1,000 people in the room. I want to do this. I want to do that. And that's my vision. And I'm going to give myself precisely 30 days to make it all happen. <laughs> and they never allow themselves to step in a vision, and they don't allow themselves to create momentum. So there's so much that's going on in that vision, it becomes overwhelming. And yeah. that overwhelm is one of the things that absolutely prevents momentum. So the first thing is helping people commit, and that's one of the big blocks, is commitment to an aligned vision that typically has one central point to it. So for individuals, and I'll use the co- coming back to that coaching example, you may want to do all of these things, being a speaker and a writer and a coach and do group coaching and training and all of these different things, 
but what's the one thing at the center of it? If you could do one of those things over and over and over again, what's the one that is your rally point? What's the one that you are most gifted to do and that is absolutely completely, you're completely passionate about? You could do all day long and not run out of any energy while you're doing it. That's the one thing that's got to be the rallying point, the central part of your vision, because then everything relates to that. It's how does it serve that one thing? And that's a big piece of momentum is getting clear on that one thing and then committing to the one thing. Because the other block in terms of, of, of that commitment is the fear of missing out. And so we hear about this all the time is that people get, bought, uh, get, get consumed by the idea that, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I commit to only this one thing, then does that mean I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do that? Well, right. maybe yes, maybe no. It's how does it align and drive the big vision? And how willing are you to commit yourself to this vision for a period of time so that you can build momentum? And then you add on to it. Which Most people want to add on to it before there's no momentum. Sure. And that's why we encourage uh, the coaching students to, to, to find a niche, which, of course, many, exactly. many of them resist, right? Because it's that, it's that very same notion. It's like, but I want to be able to coach anybody. I don't want to limit myself. I don't want to cut Absolutely. myself off. It's very hard to, to help students make the, the leap from that line of thinking into yes. the one that you're talking about, which is one sustained focus. You know, I, I always use the, uh, the example of the, uh, uh, the Grand Canyon. You know, the Grand Canyon yes. didn't become, the Colorado River didn't become the Grand mm -hmm. Canyon because the, Grand Canyon, exactly. the, the Colorado River wanted to spread itself far and wide. It stayed <laughs> in one spot and got deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, exactly, and that is, that is the exact image of, of what we're talking about. And people want to go wide before they ever have a chance to go deep. And when you go wide and there is no depth of that river, then that river will get divided by whatever it runs into. And now all of a sudden there will be seven, there will be eight, there will be nine different little trickling rivers as opposed to staying and going deep in one path and having it be the mighty Colorado at that point. Right. And, and that's really what we're talking about. That's the, 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 the idea behind momentum is when you have that one thing in front of you and you say that anything that I undertake is going to be about driving this one thing. So it's not to say that you don't have other ancillary things, but you know how they're driving the one thing. You know how they're driving that vision. And so creating clarity around that one thing, that's one of the, you know, one of the, the big starting points. It's helping people... Um, rationalize their way through the fear of missing out so that they can truly commit to the one thing. Because a confident, energetic buy-in is critical to momentum. If you have even 1% or 2% doubt in your mind or distraction in your mind that is pulling you towards something else, then you can't stay the course that you are on. And so that right. commitment and asking somebody, you know, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being unstoppable momentum, I am committed to this, one being not at all, you've got to know that you are at that 10. And anytime you are less than a 10, even if you're at a 9.5, you've got to ask yourself, what's the half that's missing? Why can't I say a 10 right now? You so know, those, that, those are some of the starting points. We talked about, obviously, your story, understanding your story, and, and being able to align it around this one thing, make it a story that's empowering to you and owning that part of yourself. Uh, knowing what your strengths are to drive towards that one thing, those are all different components that really start to translate your energy and your vision into action. Right. Great. You know, it's almost like, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking of this as you're talking, Luke, 
um, is when you have a kid, and you know you you have a kid, and uh, yeah. so I'm sure you'll relate to this, and how at that moment, right, everything in your life becomes focused on that one thing, you know, yeah. providing for that child, creating mm-hmm. a, a, a safe environment in the home for that child, and even your life's mm-hmm. work, whatever you've been doing for a living, I'm, I mm-hmm. imagine shifts focus too, because now it's no longer about you being fulfilled and joyful, it's really about mm-hmm. you being able to provide uh, for this, this new life that has entered your life and will be in it now Absolutely. forever. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's a refocusing thing. Have a kid. That'll that'll get you to focus on that. <laughs> on the one that's, thing that's, that's most important. It's it's one of the steps. I'm not sure you can do it within the next week. You may need nine months for that. But uh, yeah, that's, that is a step you take. Very good. Very good. Um, before we continue, I just want to take a brief pause and announce some of the uh, other upcoming shows that are going to be here coming up in the next couple of days on the Life Coach Radio Network and on our uh, sister networks, the Life Coach Chat Channel and International Life Coach Radio. So first of all, on December 2nd, uh, that's tomorrow night at 9 p.m., is Frank Talk. Following Your Path. So join David Frank Gomes as he discusses what it takes to follow your path and how it can benefit your health and happiness. Also on the Life Coach Radio Network on December 3rd at 8 p.m. is Universe 101, Learn, Grow, and Evolve with Danielle Mercurio and Monica Ortiz. So join Danielle as she interviews Monica Ortiz on her show, New You City Chat. You'll learn more about the fascinating book, Universe 101, as well as have the opportunity to experience Monica's coaching firsthand as Danielle opens herself up to her. And then on our sister network, the Life Coach Chat Channel, on December 4th at 8.30 p.m. is Conversations with Authors. So join host Linda Drake as she interviews notable coaches who have published their philosophies and their deepest thoughts. And then, of course, my next show, Mark My Words, on December 15th. I'll be interviewing Michael Bloom, author of The Accidental Caregiver's Guide, Your Roadmap to Caregiving Without Regret. Michael is a life coach who coaches caregivers, um, and having been the primary caregiver to both his parents before their deaths several years apart, Michael shares what he's learned about caregiving. He gives practical tips on everything from self-care, managing your own stress, creating support systems, and dealing with burnout. And he'll talk about my favorite strategy, which is, putting chocolate in your pillbox. Michael has been a great help to me personally as I assist my mom in her current journey of caregiving for my dad. So that's December 15th, the next episode of Mark My Words, and that will be at 9 p.m. The number to call in if you have a question for Luke or me uh, is 646-716-9397. That's 646-716-9397. We'll be here taking your, uh, uh, taking your calls. And now we're back interviewing Luke Iorio, the President and CEO of IPEC Coaching. And we're talking about momentum. So uh, we talked a bit about what the blocks are that prevent us from creating momentum. Uh, we talked about what momentum is. Um, so what are, Luke, tell us a little bit about what some of the keys are to getting in motion and what sure. some of the few starter steps uh, that our listeners can, uh, can take to kind of get the ball rolling on something that's important to them using those keys. Excellent. You know, one of the things we've obviously we've talked a lot about, about creating that clear vision, and really one of those steps that starts putting the ball in motion is the ability to articulate that vision. Meaning, you know, think about if you were to share that one thing and what it is that you are up to and the focus that you've got for it, if you were to share that with somebody else, 
How would you explain it? What would be the core message, the, the key line or sentences that really would help somebody understand the vision for what it is you're going to create? Because if you can articulate it, one of the most critical things to do is to start talking about it. Because it's one thing I would do actually is two steps to this. Number one is, is actually write out some of that vision, write out some of the tangible specific goals of that vision. You can put that vision three to five years out in the future. Okay, and then we'll back up to, to present day because you've got to start, start a little bit uh, you know, with the, the first steps of this process. Uh, so you write it out. You articulate what some of those goals are. And then the next thing is to share it. Because when people start to talk about and put it out there that this is what I'm up to and this is one of the scary steps for people to take, you feel like you start to get pulled forward. They've done all sorts of different studies on individuals that write out their goals. One is to have a goal but not share it. Two is to write out a goal, so at least it's, it's concrete. Third is to actually then share the goals that have been written. Those that share the goals that have been written tend to succeed 76 to 76% uh, of the time or more based on some of the studies that have been done. And so the reason being is that there creates a certain amount of uh, social consistency. Once you put it out there, you want to achieve it, and that starts to pull your momentum forward. And you also start to step into that story. You start to step into that identity. You begin to own it in a very different manner. So the, really, the, some of the beginning is writing out that vision, writing out some of the specifics of, of achieve, what the, achieving that one thing will look like, what it will feel like uh, when you get there, and then being able to start to articulate it and share it specifically with just even beginning with just two or three people who you believe will be very supportive in that vision. And not just supportive with a pat on the back. That's great to have but supportive in that they will hold you accountable, meaning they'll challenge you to step into that vision. These are the people that are almost the masterminds you surround yourself with. These are the people that genuinely see you for the greatness that you actually have inside, and they're going to hold you to that expectation because they know you can achieve it. You want to tell two or three people like that because they will offer guidance, they will offer advice, they'll offer support, they'll be there when you need it. And when you start to accumulate some of the small wins, those are the people you want to share with because those are the people that will celebrate with you and inspire you and motivate you to keep you moving forward. So it's great to be able to do all of this, and you can technically do a lot of this all on your own, but it's even more fun to be able to know you can do it on your own and also have a team to support you with it. So that's the second part of it is not only being able to articulate it and share it in general, but share it with two or three people that are going to be your team that you know that they truly genuinely see you for who you are and what you can achieve. And they're going to be your supporters, your fans, as well as some of your, your you know, guidance along the way. Great. Excellent. Excellent. And we actually have a caller. Uh, so uh, let's go ahead and pick that up. And we're going to hear from Liz in Reston, Virginia. Liz, you're on the air. Hi, Mark. Hi, Luke. Hi, Liz. Hi there. So my question is um, about uh, momentum. And as a coach, if, if our coaching engagement is coming to an end and it mm -hmm. can't be extended, um, and our client has a huge goal, like two-year goal starting their own business, let's say, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. strategies would you recommend that we leave the client with so they keep their momentum as they're, you know, continuing to work on their goal? Sure. What I would, what I would do is I would spend the last session or two with that client 
creating their sustainable performance system or their sustainable momentum system. And what I mean by that is that I would look at certain key influencers that drive our energy. Some of them are internal to that individual, meaning helping them make sure that they're very clear on not just the vision but their motivation for that vision, making sure they're clear on how that vision aligns with their strengths as well as with their values so that what you're doing is you're pulling their, their desire for purpose, their spiritual influencer forward something that really connects them to that vision. The next thing is, is to talk to them about if you're to sustain your performance, what's the team that you need around you? What are the systems that you need around you? What are the processes and resources that you, you need around you over a period of time? And I would help them and coach them around creating that plan to put those resources in place. Because the, the last part of the conversation that you want to have with them, and this sometimes help them, helps them clarify what sort of those systems and processes and resources are, is you want to ask them, so three months from now, I can promise you you're going to experience a setback in terms of achieving this vision that you've got for yourself. What do you want to have in place so that that setback is nothing more than a speed bump and doesn't take you off the road? Because as soon as they can answer that, as soon as they can say, well, if I had a setback, here's the people I would, I would like to chat, to, you know, chat with to help me think it through. Here's the way that I would adjust you know, some of my plan. Here's some of the contingencies that I would have in place. Here's the reason why I won't allow that to take me out of my game because I'm connected to this bigger vision and bigger purpose, and I know why I want to go achieve this for myself. And you're helping them plan in advance for the things that could take them off track. And that's a really, really important part about planning forward when, especially if they're going to be outside of the coaching relationship at that point. Great. Thank you. Robert, was, is that helpful, Liz? Yes, that was great. Thank you. Great. You're welcome. Actually, I should Thank ask, you, how helpful was that? <laughs> Open ended <laughs> question. Uh, so, very good. Liz, thank you so much for the call. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Luke, um, Another question I have, and you kind of, um, you may have covered it actually in your in your um, in, in your answer to Liz, but that is, uh, it's about that it, it's sometimes possible, um, like I said earlier, to get momentum going, uh, but then mm -hmm. the sustaining of it seems to be uh, mm -hmm. seems to be difficult. So how do we maintain momentum once we uh, once we attain it? So I think you answered sure. uh, that a bit for Part. for Liz in terms mm -hmm. of the client, but what would you mm -hmm. say for the average person? Well, I think there's a few things. One is it's interesting because we, we are so bad at tracking our own progress and celebrating our own successes. And I think that's one of the, you know, one of the things that, that certainly helps sustain momentum is an acknowledgement of what's being achieved as it's being achieved. Uh, because most of the time people will experience that setback, and that's completely where their mind goes because that's the problem of the day. And so they go to where the stress is, is, is occurring and they forget about all of the things that they've achieved along the way. So at times it can be everything from, you know, it could be related to just a general old project plan for, you know, what you're doing in your business. It could be related to a plan that you've got for making a career transition or health and wellness or what have you. But you want to know what those milestones are. You want to know what some of the small wins are going to look like because you want a way of tracking progress. In addition to them tracking the progress, it is coming up with, with that kind of rationalized plan around what, a, what are my contingencies? 
not everything's going to run smooth. And I think that's the other thing that takes us out of our game when it comes to momentum is that we've got these expectations that, hey, here's my vision, and look at how perfect the journey is going to be when I go out to achieve this. And it just isn't going to be the case. Mm-hmm. And so if we know that the journey is going to have some potholes along the way and we know that there's going to be some bumps here, how is it that we can begin to plan for it? And I think that's a really important piece because part of it is, is contingency planning that you can do up front, and part of it is what am I going to do in the moment? So how am I going to recognize? That's a real key piece. It's getting back to awareness and consciousness. How am I going to recognize that my momentum is being broken? How, what, what's that going to feel like? What might it look like? What's going to be my trigger that picks my head back up and goes, oh, wait a minute, are we really traveling in the direction we want to be traveling in? How much energy do we really have building towards the one thing, that big vision that we've got. So, so creating triggers and anchors for yourself of what to notice to bring you back to a point of consciousness. As you begin to build that awareness, and, and if you have trouble doing that initially for yourself, consider who are the people you may want to surround yourself with if you're not working with a coach. Who are some of the people <clears throat> that uh, you may have that are friends, family, colleagues, or what have you that are really kind of good about reality checking you and being able to ask you a couple of questions of how well is it really going? How aligned are you? How is the momentum behind this project? Uh, what do you feel is working? What do you feel isn't? You may want to write a few of those questions and, and give them to, to those members of the support team we were talking about before and say, hey, these are some questions to help reality check me from time to time. So I think that's another, another very important part. Um, that's all around the awareness because once you're in, in that more of that conscious state, then you've got the ability to say, hey, wait a minute, what's really going on here? How much of what I'm seeing is really a block, or is this a distraction that is meant to test me? Meaning, is this, is this one of those things that I haven't said no to in my past, and saying no to it now would be a final declaration that I am on the way to this bigger vision? That's a lot of the roadblocks and setbacks that come up are these little distractions that want to take us back to old stories, the, the stuff that we believe we're missing out on. And so life is going to throw those challenges at you. It's going to ask you to recommit and buy in to this journey and this one thing, this big vision, over and over and over and over again. And so the more times that those other challenges, distractions, and those things that are going to take you off the course come up, and the more times that you have the conviction to stare at those obstacles and say, not now, no, I'm staying here, or here's how I'm just going to simply walk around you and get back on my path, the more times that you do that, the greater that conviction and commitment gets and the faster your momentum starts going. That's when you really begin to pick up steam because now life knows and your mind knows this is it. Get out of the way. Let's go. Yeah. Great. Great. And um, so I, and I'm assuming that, that that really helps people get out of their own way too when those unproductive thoughts set in like, you know, this is all on my mm-hmm. own shoulders. And if I stop pushing – Everything's going to stop, and we get we get burdened, we get overwhelmed, right? Um, Absolutely. And I imagine this would this kind of helps with that as well. It helps with that overwhelm. It helps with burnout. And that's you know it's that's you know I like the way that you also described it. Of, you know, if I stop pushing, it's or it's all on my shoulders. That's such a a, a common uh, assumption that people start to take on, and so they put all of this additional burden on themselves. And, you know, they forget that, that when Atlas had the world on his shoulders, at some point he had to shrug. It's okay to shrug. Mm-hmm. It's okay to ask for a little bit of help. It's okay to, to turn around and have people around you that occasionally can offer you a little bit of support. And that's, that's a real, you know, our, our social influencer 
our, our need to connect with other people. You may have different ways of connecting. We all have different ways of what, what, you know, defining what connection means to us. But innately as human beings, we have a desire to connect with people. And so the more that you tie that connection in to what it is you're trying to achieve and those connections are things that support you and driving you forward and supporting you when occasionally you need support, helping lift occasionally when you lift, those are all going to keep you kind of on track. Because ultimately the, the last piece of this is, is when it does feel like effort, to me what that tells me is there's something misaligned in achieving the one thing. Because that one thing is supposed to be something that you love dearly. And it's not to say that you may not occasionally have fear around it. You may very well have fear. That inner critic is going to start chirping on your shoulder saying, who do you think you are to be this person? And all that is is fear testing you and trying to ask you to play small again. And so those are, those are things that are going to come up. But if it's truly something that you are passionate about, this is what you are meant to do. It's something that you know that when you achieve it, you can do this effortless all day long. And you continue to move towards that, per, that, that, that place. Ultimately, momentum will take care of itself. That's the cool thing about momentum is that if there's no tension, there's no resistance in the way, and that resistance typically is going to come from yourself, when that mm -hmm. gets out of the way, there's nothing to hold back the momentum. It right. just starts to perpetuate itself. And that's, if, if it's not perpetuating, that to me tells me to take a look at your alignment and to like, take a look at your, your inner critic, your fear. You know, it's great because so many metaphors are coming up for me, too. So, you know, they say a body in motion tends to stay in motion and a body at rest exactly. tends to stay at rest, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then also in terms of resistance, I mean, I'm just imagining a slingshot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of resistance in the slingshot, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. while there's a fight to hold back at that point, yep. um, mm -hmm. what that's doing is it's building up the energy that's going to propel the thing forward uh, and, and, so, and keep it in motion and keep its momentum. Absolutely. Right? So it's and really I'm so about glad that you that resistance into a positive force. Absolutely, and I'm so glad that you brought it up that way in terms of the image of the, the slingshot. Certainly, something I know my, my partner Bruce Schneider has spoken about, because anything that comes up that is a distraction that creates that stress, that tension, there's no reason why you can't use that tension for you. You know, you exactly. think about things like the martial arts, the keto. It's, it's not meant about resisting or pushing back against the force that is coming at you. It's actually using the force that's coming at you and going with it. It's going with the flow and using the, the momentum, the energy that's already there. And that's really what we're talking about is if there's that tension there, use that tension. You, because most of the time when you feel like you're drawn forward to this bigger vision, this bigger plan, and there's tension that gets created, use that tension because usually what that tension is going to produce is that moment of letting go meaning yeah. that you're going to let go of all of the distractions. You're going to let, let go of the things that aren't working because you're going to go, enough is enough. I'm fed up with this stuff. And you're going to let yeah. go of those couple of things, and you're going to shoot forward like a rocket. You know, you talk about using the intention, using the, uh, the tension and using the force. I just have to make a Star Wars reference here. You need the force, Luke. <laughs> I, I knew that at some point that was gonna, that had to have come up with talking about some of this stuff. Sure. Why not? I, I, just, I was getting chills and tears in my eyes when that one occurred to me, so I knew I had to share it. <laughs> use That's the force, great. Luke. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna have to. I, I'm gonna have to use that one. <laughs> <laughs> Great, and I and I'll be your Yoda. Oh, Luke, you must use the force. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, um, here's a question that actually came in uh, via email uh, mm -hmm. from somebody uh, before the show, and uh, I'd like to uh, toss it your way. Um, and it's it's 
it's in terms of somebody who's recently a certified coach trying to build um, trying to build uh, their business, but I think it applies to anybody out there who is trying to make the leap from going from a secure full-time nine-to-five job or nine-to-six or nine-to-seven or nine-to-eight job um, into doing something that's their own business when they don't have a lot of time right now to really build it to a point where they make the leap safely. So uh, the email says, I'm a recently certified coach and I'm trying to build enough of a client roster to be able to ditch my full-time job and coach full-time. I work nine to six, sometimes even seven, so I can only coach on nights and on weekends. It's tiring, though, to keep that kind of schedule after working all day. I feel like I need to quit in order to have the time to build my new business, yet I can't afford to quit because it will take too much time for me to build the new business up to a level where I'm deriving enough income from it. Um, So what do I do? So how could could we help this person uh, apply some of these principles to, uh, to that situation? Absolutely. The, the very first thing, and this is something that certainly uh, holds back a whole lot of momentum, is black and white thinking. And what I mean by that is just based on, on what you shared with me, it sounds like they believe that the only options that are on their table either keep with what they're doing or quit their job. It's, it's kind of a one or the other. There's not some type of a hybrid approach. And so, again, not, not knowing what this individual does and, and all of their specific circumstances, one of the very first things that I would take a look at, and I've actually coached somebody on this before, is how is it that you might be able to create a little space in your schedule, and if they are working an average of, let's say, six and a half days a week, I think you mentioned six to seven, is I would ask them about, so what do you know about in terms of the opportunities that exist at your work or, or the type of thing that you're doing where you could go to working five to six days a week as opposed to six or seven days a week to get that one, one day on your schedule? And what would you need to replace it with in way of income so that that's not something that, that, that holds you back? So I, I had a client six to seven uh, was, uh, was hour of the day. I think it was nine, oh, just nine a, to, so not, yes. Okay, so you're talking a, a nine to ten hour day, not necessarily uh, six, seven days a week? Exactly, yeah. Oh, okay. I misunderstood, um, okay. which is great because that, that actually is great. Now that we, I just gained two weeks to their schedule. Um, not two days to their schedule, no. Um, so, uh, see how quick that works? Um, That's great. Beautiful. All right, so Beautiful let me, see, it's impressive. So <laughs> let me step back. It is, it is beginning then to think about I would want to know what is that one thing that the person that if they focused on they felt was effortless. Is it writing? Is it speaking? It's something like that that may fuel their coaching business because they, they may get completely fueled by coaching, but they're, what's the driver? What's going to bring that in for them? Because then you would want to build the part-time schedule for them around that activity. So for the instance, if it was speaking, what I would take a look at doing is for them, even once a month, to hold either a teleseminar or a, a, uh, a weekend workshop something that really allows them to, to let their gift shine that they would very much enjoy doing. And then the only thing they do, they don't worry about picking up a whole bunch of clients in the meantime. They don't worry about uh, all of these other activities that they could be doing to grow a full-time business because that's not what they need yet. All they need to do is to start to demonstrate that they have a way of getting out there, getting a few people in the room, and picking up the occasional client. So if they put all of their effort into one thing, and let's call it a weekend workshop, and that weekend workshop was a – two to three hour experience on Saturday mornings, the entire month all they do in the evenings and on the other weekends is think about who can they connect with, 
who can, what can they do online, what can they do through social media, what can they do through networking, and even they're just their own personal network to get people to show up to that event. It's not about doing anything else other than getting people to attend the seminar. And then at the seminar, they can present their, their story, their message, whatever it is that they want to share that day, and then invite people to sit down for a strategy session, for a cup of coffee, to talk about how this content may relate to their life. So I tell you all those specifics to just simply say many times when people want to make the full-time switch, they put a plan in place that seems to be I jump totally in or I'm not really sure what I'm doing because there's so much stuff that I need to get done. And really what they need to do is, is break it down into the 1% and break it down into the smaller steps and just focus on one key effort at a time. And it's going to do two things. One, it's going to either build momentum Okay, and start to, hey, you know what, if you did nothing more than for six straight months put on one workshop every single uh, month, so you've got six workshops, let's say you even only put 10 people into each workshop, and let's say you only get you know, an average of one client even out of those workshops. Well, at the end of six months, you may have six clients, five clients, and you've got the start of a coaching business. Chances are, the more that you do it, the more you're going to figure out how to put 20 people in the room pick up two or three or four clients at a time, and now all of a sudden you may have an income that is very close to what you're already making, and it warrants now the full-time switch. So you've got to go through these processes to build that up. The flip side of it is if it's not working, it's okay. You've only invested in one effort. There's, you know, it's, it's what was the, um, um, I forget the, the individual that said it, but don't worry if plan A fails. There's 25 more letters in the alphabet. And that's really what we're saying is that sometimes plan A is going to work, sometimes plan A isn't. There's always another plan. But until you get started and focused in just one area, it's going to be very difficult to make that jump. And I think that's the key is let go of the extra stuff, focus on the one area you truly enjoy, put all of your effort into that. And especially something that's high leverage like a seminar, that's the type of thing that you can put a bunch of people in the room, pick up a client or two, and that's going to get the ball in motion. Sure. Sure, that's great. Yeah, you know, it's 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 like somebody who wants to uh, they, they haven't they're just beginning to learn how to play baseball and they're like, okay, how, you know, how do I how do I bat a thousand? Exactly. <laughs> and I want to start exactly. doing that this week. It's like, well, you know what? First, let's just get you to pick up the bat and hold it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just hold the bat exactly. for ten minutes so you feel what it feels like, right? And let's throw a couple of balls at you and see your starting point. Just do something. You know, yeah. You know, and the interesting thing is when, you know, this, this one specific client that I had who was, who was uh, out of the Bay Area, um, she specifically had a full-time job, wanted to do some coaching work, and was able to actually work it out as she started to bring on a couple of clients. Her job didn't really want her to leave, but they were accepting of the fact that this was going to happen one way or the other. And once she had a little bit of income, they actually made a deal with her where she would work with them for three days a week which now gave her two days a week plus the weekends and stuff that she was already doing things. And so now all of a sudden she picked up more momentum on her coaching business but still had a certain amount of stability with that three-day-a-week kind of retainer that she was on at work. And then she yeah. dropped to two days until she could make the full transition. And I know of a lot of coaches who have done that because the places that they're leaving, these are usually typically very valuable people and because uh, that's kind of the, the type of people that are drawn to coaching. And they they uh, when they think through that transition, those companies don't want to lose them. So whatever they can do to keep in connection with that person, they do. And many sure. many many coaches, new coaches, as they make that transition, they turn around and the client, the company that they're leaving becomes a client, and they pick up exactly. clients back at, at wherever they left. Now all of a sudden, you've got a full practice again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, wow, that's great. 
That's great. That's a very common question I know I get from students sure. all the time also. So I'm glad that one and, came in. And actually, and actually, Mark, let me just expand briefly just to say, you know, I related that a lot to coaching because I know that's a lot of the audience and that was a specific person that wrote in. But for anybody going into any type of transition, whether you're transitioning into uh, any, any type of, of, of your own business, you're transitioning between careers and into a new job or, or looking to, it's always about starting with one or two very clear, focused activities. You don't need to do 20 things to make the change that you want to make. Start with one or two before you add the third, before you add the fourth. And those are the types of things. That's that 1% that I was talking about before. Very focused yeah. on that 1%. You do those things and you will be shocked at the amount of change, progress, and momentum that is built up over the course of even just six months. Great. Great. Excellent. So what, what would you say is the bottom line sort of uh, – uh, the bottom line, one-line message that you'd like today's listeners to take away from uh, from our chat today. The one line, huh? Yeah. I would say, well, for me, I'll borrow a bit from my story. Recognize the fire behind your momentum. And what I mean by that is recognize the consciousness, recognize the passion, recognize the dreams and the vision that are really what's going to initially propel your momentum and ultimately pull that momentum forward. Great. Great. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Luke. This has been very uh, informative and inspiring, and I really thank you for, uh, uh, for, your, for your time tonight and for sharing your thank gifts you. with us on the air. Thank you, Mark, um, very much. Enjoyed it. Like I said, you're a very gifted interviewer. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, coming from you, that is a huge compliment. Thank you. And uh, it's uh, and thank you for sharing uh, part of yourself that you hadn't shared before. Um, well, thank you. I really I appreciate and, your, your opening up and doing that. And if, and if actually you don't mind, other than, you know, people certainly being able to check, you know, check out IPEC online, uh, just search for IPEC coaching, you'll find us. And, uh, but beyond that, if anybody goes to just simply LukeIorio.com, you'll learn about the radio show that's going to be launching after the first year. Yes, and I'm very, very excited. I was going to mention that. I'm very excited that you Thank will you. also be joining us as one of our Life Coach Radio Network's uh, will. show hosts. So I am looking really forward to it. When did your it. show start? Uh, it's going to be in the first quarter. Uh, we haven't set the, the official uh, start date of it. It will probably be, I'm guessing, sometime in February. Great, great. Well, we're looking forward to that as the Life Coach Radio Network has grown. Um, uh, it's just grown in so many fabulous directions and stuff. And I think that uh, this partnership with IPEC and specifically having you on the air is just going to be dynamite. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. As am I. So, Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you again, Luke. Thank you. So before I wrap it up for tonight, feel free to mark your words if you'd like. If you have feedback for us that you would like to communicate to the Life Coach Radio Network, visit us at blogtalkradio.com slash lifecoachradionetwork and then click on the follow button and send us a message. For feedback directly to me or to suggest a show topic, go to markshaw.com and fill out the contact form. That's M-A-R-K-S-C-H-A-L-L.com. I hope you enjoyed the past hour and that you found it engaging, enlightening, and stimulating. I look forward to speaking with you all again on December 15th when I interview Michael Bloom, caregiver coach and author of The Accidental Caregiver's Survival Guide, Your Roadmap to Caregiving Without Regret. So thank you again for listening to Mark My Words. I'm Mark, and those are my words. Good night. Mm -hmm.